Hello, you are listening to episode 33 of the Benaka Cast. I am your host, Benaka. This is my show. I run this joint. I talk about whatever uh, I think needs to be talked about. And with me today is a very special guest, long awaited, somebody that we've been trying to get on the show for many months, and somebody who's interrupted the show. Three times. Yeah, a few times now. Please welcome the one and only Tristan Purcell. Yep. That's me. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, I've interrupted three other podcasts. Uh, but it's been, it's been, it's been a long time coming, but now I'm finally here. It was the, it was like the Halloween episode, uh, the Blade Runner episode, and the Valentine's Day episode. But the Valentine's Day one I just called. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just said it. You interrupted in spirit. Yeah, for sure. Tell us about yourself. For the audience members who have no idea who you are, because <laughs> anybody who doesn't know you on this, this is just some random guy <laughs> some, that some, I know. Some, some slick git. <laughs> Yo, what's up? I'm Chester Purcell. You know, you may know me as Chester Purcell. I, uh, I'm in, I'm in the same university program as, as my dear old good pal Ben here. I'm, uh, I'm pretty tall. (laughs) I'm pretty tall. I like movies. I like music. I like art in general. I'm annoying. I'm pretty, I'm pretty cool. I'm kind of a star. I'm really pretty. I feel like that's, that's a good description of myself. You're one of the few people who's actually, like felt like they were somewhat prepared or even just able to answer that question <laughs> almost all the time and i often like have to cut it out it's like I'm like oh tell me about yourself and they're like um you gotta listen to my backstory bro uh, i got i got i got crazy lore um, the trust of herself lore goes fucking deep man um, what do i say here um, <laughs> um i like movies i think um, that i think that's a really good description to me is that i like art i'm pretty and i'm annoying i think that's good that is good yeah Treston, mm-hmm. you and I are here today. I can hear people talking outside. <laughs> and now I cannot. We are going to be talking about a little thing. We're doing a little... T- catch, give, give ourselves a little break. My hair has grown Take long... A chill pill. Yeah, my hair has grown long enough to the point where it's hard for me to stand up straight without falling over to either <laughs> side. Fall on your knees, man. And I think it's time that we, you know, we, we give ourselves a little breather. And we're going to talk about some movie recommendations. Hell yeah. Maybe not necessarily the most perfect movies of all time, <laughs> but movies that we think more people should watch. Uh, I We've both written down five. We'll be talking the movie, the year it was released, the director, and also where you can stream it. We'll be talking about specifically services in Canada because we are a Canadian-based podcast. If you're from other countries and you don't like that, I hate to say it, but that is what the, uh, uh, you know, that's the, that's the international podcasting game. So I have to Google where it is, where to find it. I, I, I have an app. Okay, you got it. All right, I, All right, I got it. it. All right, sweet. Tristan, do you want to kick things off or do you want me to? I don't know. What do you think? You think you think you give the guests honor or is it like, you know, it's up to you to like, I mean, you're the talker here. You're well, the real talker. Well, you know? do you want, do you want the big opener or the big finisher? I can go with the finisher. I think you can start it off. Kick us off. Man. Okay. You're, you're, you'll set the pace and the tone, I think. I think a good one to just get out of the way. From 2003, directed by Lily and Lana Wachowski, I have to recommend The Matrix Revolutions. Really? 
I love this movie. Why is that? Which one is that one? That was the this third is one? the third one. Yeah, yeah. You you were playing the you were playing the soundtrack earlier. My favorite Matrix movie is the first one. It's the one that is like the most complete as a movie. Yeah. The second one is mid, and the third one is so good. Yeah. It's the most epic. It's, That's a good word. It's crazy. The final fight scene is one of the most balls to the wall extreme over the top things that you could ever put to film mm. and i love it because it commits to everything that it's doing yeah. it introduces new ideas to the world that actually really work it's really well shot the score is awesome and hugo weaving going mr anderson you like what i've done with the place i i love it so dearly <laughs> And a That's lot like, of people don't like it. Really? I didn't yeah. know. I knew people didn't like the second one. I mean, I've only watched like the first half of the first Matrix movie. Mm -hmm. I should watch the other ones. My my friends are are uh, are really big fans of them. Um, I didn't really know that people didn't really like the third one. Uh, a lot of people don't like the sequels, right? Yeah, I know people didn't really like the sequels because it was more written to be like, it was written to be a first film, and then they got like two other films, right? Yeah, it's well, a, it's like the Pirates of the Caribbean kind of kind of situation. Yeah, but two and three are really like Matrix Two, Part One and Two. Yeah, because that, that's like what happens. They're really tied to each other. Yeah, that's and they're released in the same year. Yeah, that's what happened with like Pirates, where like they made one film, mm -hmm. and that film did great, so they got greenlit for two other films, and they made the Part Two and Part Three feel like cohesive together. Yes, and I think the Matrix Three just cuts out all the crap from the second film. Yeah, the all killer, no one, filler. Yes, the second one has some crazy cool stuff. Yeah. And it really plays with the idea of hope, interestingly. But the third one is just... It's just, like, it's simple. And the Battle of Zion is one of the most outlandish... It's right in the, like, 2000s-era CGI. Yeah. Right? A lot of people would say that the CGI is on par with the Star Wars prequels. To a certain extent, I agree. There, I think there is more practical stuff... And a fair amount of this than the Star Wars prequels. But it also just is more convincing because there's so much of it. Yeah. I think it's just a matter... It, it's dazzling. Like, the amount of CGI there is that is dated, it just somehow works in this world. Yeah, you know what? That's actually a really good point because, like, you know, like, films like Pirates of the Caribbean, like, like the CGI has aged well. Yes. But I feel like... I, I, for the Matrix world, because I know, like, it's in, like, a computer, like, kind of, like, like, uh, like, AI thingy. Yeah, a, so, a like, simulation. I feel like, yeah, so I feel like, kind of, like, the it gets CGI away. works, because it feels fake, yeah. which is what it's trying to do. Yes, and so that makes sense, but even the stuff that takes place in the real world looks fake because it is dated CGI, but it just somehow commits to it in a way that, like, for example, the reason the Star Wars prequels do not hold up visually is because we have three better looking movies released three decades earlier yeah. or two decades earlier, whatever. I think if you had the matrix looking incredible in the seventies and eighties, then yeah, those movies would, people would say they look awful, but it's consistent. It has a consistent look. Yeah. And seeing the new one with updated visual effects was really, really cool. But there is just a certain grime to Matrix Revolutions and a certain... It, I mean, it's just 
It's an awesome movie. It's just awesome. There are emotional beats that really work. Yeah. And there are character arcs and real consequences for some of the characters. And I think the final, like, I mean, everyone knows that it comes down to a confrontation between, like, Neo and Agent Smith. Yeah. And there is some of the, like, hardest dialogue that is just, like, that I, I just love. And I won't say, I won't spoil one of the lines that Neo says. It's, like, four words, but it's perfect. And and uh, Hugo Weaving's, why, Mr. Anderson, whole, like, his whole monologue is crazy. That's awesome. And it's just dishing out all these ideas about what it means to be human and what it means to hope. And it's, it's great. It's an, I think, I think it's a really underrated movie. And I think it's worth, I think what it achieves is worth forgiving some of its pitfalls for the time. And I mean, it's, it's just, they punch each other so hard that a shockwave forms and all the raindrops like stop for a second. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is that's just so sick, bro. That's so sick. That's There's, so awesome. You just have to you have to give it you uh, have to give it a point where it's like, okay, this is awesome. Do you think that um you've liked it more as you age more? Like, did you like it upon your first season? I've first only viewing? seen it once. You've only seen I it saw once. it this year for the first oh, time. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. Do you think that people who maybe didn't like it before would like it again on a rewatch? Maybe now with a more modern lens. You think it holds up? I, I, I think I think it's. I, I'm. I was really like I was into the Matrix world, and keep in mind, I maybe the reason the second one didn't sit with me so great is because I ate like my first tuna. <laughs> when I watched that movie, I had a like ma- raw fish? I had a massive sriracha tuna sandwich. Yeah, that's that's gonna give you like witch's cauldron guts, bro. Like it's I gonna know. be bubbling and brewing in there. <laughs> I know, and I watched the Matrix two with that. That sucks. Yeah, that's not the, maybe so. The action in the Matrix two is also like weaker than the first one. The yeah. third one is not trying to do the first one. So did you have like a better, like not only just like a movie experience, but just a better like like experience like watching the third one? Then do you think that maybe added to it? Um, maybe I like I watched it on my laptop as opposed to my big TV where I watched you the know, second. Laptops one. aren't that bad. At least if you get a good pair of headphones, it's really I I like oh, it. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I I have no problem watching stuff on laptops, but like I didn't watch it with the craziest setup. And it was also like the way I described like the second one is a lot of the setup, and the yeah. third one is just just payoff. It's like all climax. Like the Battle of Zion is like 40 minutes long and it takes place like halfway through the movie. And it, it in any other movie, it could be the climax of the movie. Yeah. And it somehow makes the stuff that isn't set in the Matrix really interesting. Yeah. And these like side characters, there's one character, like you really care about these characters. Like there's this one captain who is in a mech and just fires just millions of bullets at these robots and i'm like this guy is cool yeah and i want him to succeed and there's like this one kid who like is is really trying to pull his weight but he's sort of out of his league and i want him to succeed and man these characters were dope and and it's really like the battle of zion again like i don't want to spoil any of it it's such a it's it's such it, it, like, it goes on for a long time. Yeah. And you don't know who's going to come out on top. It's really Because just as, like, you think, 
the heroes have like the upper hand the robots like come or the machines come and really hit them back or vice versa yeah so cool it's it's really it's there's nothing else like it yeah so again parts parts of the caribbean like the like the first one's great but like the third one is like it's got it's got those scenes. i love the third parts of the caribbean yeah uh, so yeah okay that's 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 a good recommendation yeah. i feel like it the, is the world's end of of um, Matrix. Of Matrix. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. If you like Pirates of the Caribbean 3, you'll like The Matrix 3. And if you don't like Pirates of the Caribbean 3 or The Matrix 3, then should you, I... Should, you, you're weird. You should do some serious reevaluation. You're so weird. You're so weird for that. Do you, I gave it a 9 out of 10, if anyone cares. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, do you want to hit us off with the next one? Yeah, yeah, alright. So, my first pick uh, for movie recommendation. I mean, if you know me in real life... Um, I mean, I've recommended this film a bunch of times. I'm just going to go off with, like, my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Because I just feel like that's the one, like... I don't know if everyone's going to go through the whole thing. So I want to get, like, that one at the top. And then I'll, like, go through some other stuff. But, like, favorite movie of all time is uh, Funeral Parade of Roses. Um, it's directed by Toshio Matsumoto. And it came out in 1969. Hold on. Uh, before before you get going, I forgot to mention what The Matrix Revolutions is streaming on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Let, me, let me pull it up real quick. I, I watched it on Netflix. <coughs> the Matrix Revolutions is streaming on just Netflix right now in Canada. So, awesome. check her out. Um, I know Funeral Parade of Roses is, is available on Canopy. I don't know if that's necessarily available for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where you can get it. I think m- maybe some Criterion stuff, maybe. I don't know. Funeral Parade of Roses is um, not available for streaming. As of right now. I know it's like Academy, though. Because that's even... where I watched it. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah. Um, so, I don't really know where to begin. I do want to say a quick shout-out to my friend Brandon for recommending me this movie. Um, Funeral Parade of Roses is about an hour and a half. It's a black-and-white film. A part of the uh, Japanese avant-garde scene. Um, it's one of those kind of like movies, you know what yeah. I mean? But it's it's so good. It's it's really really well made. Um, it's about so much, and it's it's such a dense experience. But I would say, at least for me, um, it's it's really about the trans experience, which is so so cutting edge for the time for like 1969. It was yeah. made nearly over 50 years ago, and um, they treated it so well for as best as they could. It is over 50 years ago. Over 50 years ago. Yeah. And I mean, I mean like the most like kind of weird thing that you could maybe say is that they, they, they call trans people gay boys because they really didn't really have a word for it at the time. And, uh, and they like, I guess they, they, they questioned a lot and made sure to like ask the people, um, questions about like what, what's the experience kind of like, at least a little bit throughout the movie, which is, it's really interesting to kind of like come at from the angle of just like just genuine questions instead of just like picking and prodding, which is really interesting. Um, but what makes Pseudo Prater Roses so great is that besides it's like the fact that it's really ahead of its time is that it's experimentation and how it's filmed and everything just really adds to the product as a whole. Um, there are three storylines throughout the film. It's told non-linearly. We got. So is it a like an anthology? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it means like it means like a series of stories told mm, as one thing. Maybe. Like, uh, so, have, you, have you seen the French Dispatch? 
I've not. Okay, because that's three it's not, stories. It's not like that. I know okay. what it's about. It's not It's not three separate stories. It's there are three like interwoven stories. Yeah, yeah so okay. we got the first story, which is Eddie's story. That's like the main plot point of the story. And that's the character that you're following out through the whole film. That's like their arc and stuff like that. And then we got a fake film crew. Um, like a film crew that's like just filming uh, in general. And you follow their story. And then you also follow the real actual cam crew of the film Funeral Peter Roses as well as separate interviews um, throughout the movie and it creates such a weird dissonance that you can't really tell what's like real and what's not and it really plays with meta in a way that's really interesting but doesn't it's not like in a way where it's like oh haha look at us that's more in a way that's like trying to engage with the material um, and it's and it's themes in a way that kind of invites the audience to really examine not only themselves but how they're displaying it. That's like a huge whirlwind of stuff to like take in all at once because it is about so much. But the thing is, it's like it's so short; it's only an hour and a half. But it just crams in all this like all these themes and all these ideas and wants to talk about all these characters and all these storylines, but. It really doesn't compromise in like any of the plots, and in fact, you know, after an hour and a half, I think I've seen it three or four times. Even after like such a short time, it you feel like you just like watch like twenty hours of like film because it's just it's so dense and so compact. Like every single time I watched it, I've noticed something. Like I completely forgot like a scene because it's just so in your face, but in like a way that isn't like. That isn't like over like sensory overload, but more in a way that it's a lot to It's complete. Yeah, it's a lot to like break down. It's a lot to digest after after a watch through. Um same way as like Mario Warfare. Yeah, like actually it. exactly like Mario Warfare. It's only Warfare. like an hour and eighteen minutes, but it feels but like it just feels like saga. like it feels like a saga. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting that you mentioned it's only an hour and a half. I take it as very well paced. Yeah, Probably then, it, right? I mean it's not. It's purposely paced. Yeah, it's really fast paced. Yeah, um, but it also has such like long and pensive moments. So that's what makes it so interesting is that it really plays like with your head a little bit, and uh, it and it really like challenges uh, your perspectives on like how just like of humanity in in general of like how people interact. Um, the main theme of the story. Um, is kind of exploring people's, like, masks and what they put as a front, you know what I mean? Um, which is really interesting that they would choose that topic of kind of transgender identity um, because they do mean it in a very sincere way, but it's more of an analyzing, not necessarily, like, what parts make up a real person, what parts don't. So I think mm -hmm. it's comparing that, you know... Honestly, you can even look at a progressive lens where it's kind of comparing that uh, you know, like rhetoric against trans people is not justified because if you view it as like as like um, as like they're trying to hide something, which is obviously false. Like, uh, it's not true because every person is like hiding a part of themselves, and your identity and who you are on the inside isn't like the part of that. It's more just like what you wish to be perceived as, which is really interesting, and it really plays with your perception because of all the time jumps and like all the different characters and different storylines inter intersecting and really there really is no clear timeline but what mm -hmm. makes it so interesting is that 
despite everything being so like non-linear and so like it's so scrambled yeah it's still after you watch it all the pieces like click into pace and you're like oh my god because it just it just falls into place and it's and you make sense of it and i feel like that's such an interesting idea and it plays with such like especially like movies that are about identity um and it's i think it's really interesting that like a movie 50 years ago was able to do that and also not even just about identity just like a really mature take on it also a really mature take on such a sensitive subject that is really not like even today like in our modern day of 2022 a lot like again like trans people are treated awfully and it's not always depicted great so it's really interesting to see a movie that 50 years ago that kind of that tried to like view their struggle and uh, yeah. view kind of their lifestyle in such an interesting and personal way that still managed to create an interesting like story and a dialect around it um, and that's what makes it like great in my opinion you say because um because it's like 1969 yeah is there any elements of the film technically or otherwise that like we were talking about matrix revolutions that seem dated no no not think at it, all. like not everything all. holds i mean up. like <laughs> it's shot on film yeah so like oh, nothing course. looks bad but i think what also makes it like really well done is um is the production design not only the cinematography, but the cinematography looks great. I mean, it's obviously shot extremely well, and it's, it's it's it looks beautiful. But it's so true to the characters because, like in in scenes in the movie, they literally interview like like random people off the street that are like in the LGBTQ community, at least at that time. Yeah. And it's so interesting to just see them ask questions like, "Where are you going? What do you hope to do with this? What do you, what's like your future?" And you see people from fifty years ago talk about what the community is and that's but they, it's combined with a real fake story which is so interesting it's one of the like we, Borat yeah it's kind of like Borat if you actually when you talk about it it is like Borat but it's like it's like an avant-garde experimental like cool film yeah that's like Borat <laughs> it's really weird um but I feel like because they're so true to the characters and, and like the characters that play the trans people are real trans people like Eddie the main character, that was that person's, um, I think the real name that they go by, their stage name is Peter. Um, that was their first acting role. And they do amazing. They, they, their acting is actually like pretty good. I mean, it can be kind of campy at times, but like, it's honestly really well done, especially for a first role. Um, so I feel like, like they could have easily done this whole film, either completely, like, like the whole thing, every single set was made. Or nothing was made. Yeah. And you could not tell the difference because it's just so true to the characters. It's so true to the real world. And it could easily be filmed like in the actual, like, the, the, like it was filmed like in actual Tokyo at the time, which is like so, which makes it so like mind-bending. It's so great. And it's, it's really beautiful to see a film that long ago and still like it represents that like really small, specific community, which is so interesting it's such an interesting lens in the community because it not only is it like a really good like plot and made up story but it's also a really good reputation representation of like a real like a real group of people which makes it amazing there's a tier of films and i assume that you know is your favorite movie i assume you're gonna put it in there (laughs) but there's a tier of films that i like to put in as that i think my some my my mom coined and sure she wasn't the first to say it but that's why i heard it first is re- required viewing yeah 
Like, uh, you know, movies that everybody should see. I think... I think the Matrix movies... I think the Matrix trilogy, everyone should see because it's such an interesting part of film history. Mm. Funeral Parade of Roses, like you said, is an interesting part of film history, but it's also an, an important statement piece. Yeah, it's really... It's hard to really digest. It's not... I don't expect everyone to like it afterwards because um, it is like it's just so much and also it can be very like it could be like annoying to the eye in some aspects it really like hammers in like its imagery into you and I think that's what makes it it's really striking um, but I do think anyone who's interested at, in the um, in the gay community at all in Japanese avant-garde filmmaking or even just like cinematography in general um, I think it's definitely worth at least giving a shot, especially because it's so short and because there's so much you could take from it. Um, I think definitely, I mean, definitely on the first watch, um, it is, a. you could definitely see like the trans representation and that's kind of what I thought it was about. And it's true. It is what about, but definitely on, re- on, um, repeat viewings, I saw it more as like a dissection of like, um, how we want to be perceived and how you present yourself to the world and, and, and it's really just it, identity in general yeah just identity and what makes it and how that could be a good thing and how it can also be a, a bad thing and um it really like it, it definitely you can definitely take a lot from it and it's actually really interesting to see at least i've watched it with a bunch of people before and they always take away something else from it which is really interesting um because I mean, when you look up the actual movie, um, it says, like, in the description that's about the Oedipus complex, which is, like, the Greek tragedy. It's about, like, it's about the dude that has, had that accidentally has sex with his parents, um, which is weird, which is, which you, is... You are telling me about that earlier. Yeah, which is... Can't get enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> which is, it, it does happen in the movie, but it's so, like, it's not, it's not its focus. It has so many different focuses and pulls on, like, a lot of different ideas that it becomes just so much to talk about but in the end it's all trying to show a central message and that central message can really be interpreted as so many different things um but i think bottom line it's just a really pretty movie it has a great story that's really ahead of its time and i think it's just like a technical marvel and i i loved looking at just such old photographs of like that real time um especially the interviews were like really interesting um but yeah i'd highly recommend it um it's definitely it's my favorite and uh it's not gonna be for everyone but i i do highly recommend that everyone at least gets to try especially if you're if you're into film at all um and if you're not like i I definitely still recommend it um you will feel really tired after (laughs) it's it's quite it's quite in your face um and it's it's crazy it's it's really good though yeah awesome mm-hmm. it's very very good i have yet to see it i need to check it out yeah i will i promise i've gotten like a lot same, of... same way you need to still check out baywatch oh, of course which I is mean, not I mean, I'll, I'll, <laughs> let me make that clear that is not one of my recommendations <laughs> baywatch. i'll save that for a future recommendation baywatch. Episode. you're gonna watch like the, the the new one with rock in it is that one better well, that's the only movie because it's that's. Oh, wasn't it like a retail? It was like a it was a thing? show. It was a show. It was oh. a TV show with David Hasselhoff. That's crazy. It's like yeah. Chips. You ever seen Chips? No, but I know it's awful. <laughs> but Baywatch is good. Yeah, yeah. Baywatch has funny jokes in it. I think. 
Does the Rock do the eyebrow? Oh, definitely at some point. Hell yeah. He has a, there's a little. It, like, it's, it's worth watching just for that. Yeah, there's a little like sad Rock in like his fish tank. Yeah. Um, should I go with my next? Yeah, give give your give your second recommendation. One. I'm gonna give one that I don't think is required viewing, but it's a it's a it's a I think it's a good little film, and it does a lot of things particularly well, and this is from 2020, directed by Jim Cummings. It was his second feature. It's The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Really? Have you heard of it? I don't. Let me look it up. I I don't. Maybe I think I maybe have heard of it. Go it's, on, explain it. It's. Uh, it, it, it's about a, uh, a cop in a small northern American town that uh, is trying to investigate several murders. Um, it seems to be the work, uh, it seem, they seem to be serial murders. And what the town begins to suspect because of several things left at the crime scene is that this could be the work of a werewolf. And really? he's trying to go around and be like, you know, werewolves aren't real. This is a killer. I'm going to get him. And he's, it's very interesting because it's, I guess it could be a, I guess it's sort of a, without me realizing it, a pretty big inspiration for the, the script that I wrote for screenwriting. But it's not about the werewolf stuff. It's about this guy. Yeah. And it's about this one cop. He's a, uh, a single dad, and he has a great jawline, but he is, you know, he's gone a few years sober, and those issues that he struggles with are really tested. His yeah. his, his irresponsible parenting, his, his, like, alcohol use, whether or not he remains sober. I, I love, I, I, I just, I, I think of this film, and I think of Dr. Sleep. Doctor Sleep is a really interesting film because you don't know whether or not that character who's been sober, whether or not he's going to be for the like for the entirety of the movie. Yeah, and it's the same thing here. That's interesting. And this this like these killings really do this guy like they really do him in, and he really starts to have a lot of mental uh, freakouts. And there are scenes that are very well edited, and very funny. It has a good. Uh, ensemble cast it all it was Robert Forrester's last movie uh, who, oh. who was an older actor but I believe last time I watched it um, it was on Crave and it oh. may still be um, yep it's on Crave so that's where you can stream it I haven't seen it yeah I looked it up I, I, haven't, I haven't heard of it I was thinking of something else but it is sort of a horror movie I mean there are horror scenes but I don't think it's particularly scary I think it's a solid mystery. I think it's a solid... Um, I, I don't want to say... It's sort of a... You could say a dark comedy. But I think really at its core, it's. I think it's a drama mystery. Yeah. With like funny things sprinkled throughout. And like horror elements, yeah. Yes. It's... Um, it's it, a lot. It, it, there's, a, there's not a crazy amount going on. I've seen it twice. I've given it an 8 out of 10 both times. Because, it, you know, admittedly, it's not perfect. I think there's... There's one plot point that I've, and I'm sure there's an explanation, but I have failed to wrap my head around it both times watching it. And the the ending, you know, the I guess what you could say is like, and not to give anything away, but the reveal of what's going on, it's not it's not like they there was no seed planted, but it was one of these things where it was just sort of partly coincidence, partly like. Yeah, we just do this. It's not, 
it's not one of those movies where it's like, oh, here's all these cast members. It's not. It's not a who done it. Yeah. It's not a who done it. Um, and it's really about this one guy trying to track down the the source of these these attacks, and it's there are some really cool shots. It reminded me of Fargo, in a lot oh. of its and a lot of its snowy small town. Oh yeah, I vibes can see that. with with the police officers like, yeah, and it stuff. Yeah, it is very horrific. Like Fargo is kind of horrific, but it's still it's at its core it is like a drama. Yeah. There's a there's a really good scene where all the cops are like preparing with like shotguns because they're prepared to shoot this guy if they find him tonight, and the 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 main character's father who's like the chief of police is like, I won't ask you to pray with me because the god darn lawyers, <laughs> and it's funny. The the guy that directed it also wrote it and stars in it. Really? Yeah, Jim Cummings. Uh, I don't think he he also did a film called Thunder Road. And he has a new film called The Beta Test. I've yet to check out either of those, and I'm really interested. Because he does a really good job with his character work, and he gives a, a really solid performance. That's good, yeah. Yeah, I love character studies. I love me a good character study, especially of characters that are just admittedly really broken. You know, not just flawed, but like they're broken and they're in need of some fixing. And this... But you still root for him, right? Like, you still want Yes, him. he's not... He's not... A great guy. Yeah. But he could be. Oh, okay. And that's yeah. why you're rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has potential to go either way. Uh, and so I think that's really what interests me so much about it. There are the scenes that do involve horror or like werewolf elements are quite well handled. There is some gore uh, that is pretty, pretty convincing. There's some really good. There's a really good costume in it, um, and there, it doesn't hold back. Um, like, this isn't a spoiler, I'd say, but like out of one of the killings, because you do see the killings happen. It's often, well, you don't see them. You see them right before they die. Yeah. And so you, a lot of the killings are technically off screen, but they do kill a baby. Like there's a baby that's introduced in one scene. Like Jeez. it's not like a it's not like a main stead of the cast or anything, but like a baby dies, right? So it, there is a real like horror to the situation, and they don't show a baby getting murdered, but there is like you know they clearly there's like they're at a funeral and there's a tiny casket. Yeah, and it's like really really sad stuff at times. But, I mean, there's some really human moments. Uh, yeah. And the stuff between him and his daughter isn't at the forefront. Like, that's not the most interesting part. But it, it does a really good job of elevating the type of person that he is. Because he's really determined. And he's really stubborn. But he's also really scared. Yeah. And he's really scared about his daughter. And he's really scared about his dad, who's like the head of police. And he's he just really wants things to just go as smoothly as possible and that is not happening and so i i think the it it just it it works really well on on a multitude of levels and like i said it's it's not it's not required viewing but like or anything like that but it's a really i think it's a really solid pretty breezy pretty like short Mm. it's it's a really solid like afternoon or evening watch yeah on like a weekend who would you recommend this film to like who is this for? I would recommend this film to people who, like like myself, I have been dipping my toes into horror. 
Yeah. Um, I think of, you know, I don't know how, like, I don't, I never love stuff like The Conjuring or, you know, Annabelle. Um, yeah, I'm not a big horror fan either. But I feel like there's some really insidious. I'm not a big fan of those really creaky, like, jump scare string like like, like like the stuff that's like being made to be like a scary movie like to make yes. to make money in the box office yeah yeah I don't like that stuff because a lot of it's cheap and relies on the same things but stuff like The Shining I really love and yeah. The Shining is admittedly quite scary particularly near the end and it wasn't like I knew a lot of what happens in the film so I'm not like I don't get scared in like the haze ma- the hedge maze chase but there is some crazy sound design going on the last like third of The Shining. It's really interesting, and you can really see how it influences films like Get Out. Yeah. Like yeah. the sound design of Get Out is like right from The Shining. And I'm trying to remember the other movie that I saw that really felt like The Shining, but it's it, it very clearly has had some huge influences. It's a scary movie. If you like stuff like The Shining, or if you like. If you're trying to dip your toes into horror, then there are some horror elements of the movie. It's cla- it's technically classified as a horror movie in one of its genres. So I think that like might be the best audience. But if you like if you like murder mysteries, it's a good one. If you like character studies, it's a good one. If you're looking for a big blockbuster, you're not gonna get that. Um, and if you're looking for like, I don't know, if you're looking for something insanely profound you're not going to get that because it's a small story with small characters and I like it a lot uh, and I really I, I want to rewatch it it's one of those movies it's like it's not perfect but it's one that's really rewatchable for me I can really enjoy it yeah I was going to say like uh, how is it on a repeat uh, watch do you think it still like holds up I, I've seen it twice yeah and it does not knowing what happens doesn't ruin it by any means you don't pick up on a crazy amount more, but it's again. I think because the the mystery and I, I think the werewolf stuff adds to it a lot because there is such an intrigue as opposed to just some guy on the loose. Yeah, yeah. It adds, it adds like that little that little spice to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, that's the thing. It's not. I like. I've yet to rewatch Knives Out. And I wonder how that would be like on repeat watching. But this, it it isn't really about the destination so much as it is the journey, right? Yeah. So really, yeah, like I said, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it, it's just about that character. Yeah, I haven't really heard you recommend that movie. That's really interesting. Like, um, I wasn't really expecting that pick. That's a good one. Yeah, I have, I, I've really tried to choose ones that I don't often talk about, or I haven't talked about on the show before. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hit us with another one? Yeah, I'll do my second one. Yeah. Um, a film I'm going to be recommending is uh, Les Incendies. Um, it was made in 2010, by, uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Oh. Um, you may have definitely heard of him, because he's made, what, Blade Runner 2049, Dune... Sicario, Arrival. He's made a lot of great movies. But, I mean, Blade Runner 249 is a really close second, but, like, I really do like Lazy Sunday. I don't think it's as talked about as all of his main movies, and all of his main movies are really great. But Lazy Sunday um, was a really, was just such a solid film. Um, I first watched it 
in my fresh class actually it's um it's a french canadian film if if you want to know what it's about it's um it's um it's 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 another like uh dual story thing it's not it's not three stories this time it's it's about two um the film's premise starts off with um two twins whose mother is dying i forget if she's dead or she's dying i think she's dying or like you just can't they can't like talk to her but she sent them letters and it's revealed in the letter at the very beginning of the film that they actually have a uh, a secret sibling um that they didn't know about and that they have to figure out and find which is super interesting oh it's just called incendies oh i think sometimes it's called incendies it's on D. There's no... Okay. Okay, okay. Sorry. Hey. As you were... I was just finding it so we could determine the uh, the streaming situation. Okay, well... And it okay. is... Correct a, me and say the, say the streaming. Holy crap. It's available on Netflix. Amazon Prime Video. Crave. Club Illico and Stars on the Prime Video channel. So no excuse not to Also watch. Crave Stars, if that counts. It's yeah. a separate thing. I don't know if it does, but... I don't think it's required viewing, though. It's on, um, like, everything. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it's Also, I think it's... Sometimes it's referred to as Lazy Sunday, sometimes just East Sunday. Um, but, yeah, so the whole premise is about um, these two people finding their mother's sibling, but at the same time, it's also showing their mom in the past trying to find uh like like that sibling being born and then trying to find the sibling again um mm. because the sibling was separated from the mother at birth it's 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 quite brutal um because it's simultaneously set in um you know french canadian canada or just french canada but um also set in like um the middle east i think it's i th- let me let me look this up let me make it up so i, I know what it is I can't stop touching my hair it's like just one day I've just decided that it's long. It doesn't say. <laughs> nice. Let me, let me, hold on, give me a second. I got my Andrew Garfield cut going. It's weird. It's weird. I'm scared that I'm going to look like Andrew Garfield. He's not, he's not a bad looking guy. I just don't want to turn into a different man other than myself, you know? Yeah. I got to own me. Okay. So, so also the film, not only, I forgot about this, simultaneously they're trying to track down their sibling, but they're also trying to track down um, their father, mm. who they didn't think was, like, a part of their life, but, like, the mothers, they had leaving them the clue, like, you can go find, like, your dad. Like, they're basically, it's, it's, it's a movie about finding, your, like, your lost family. Um, so it does, so I'm looking it up right now, and it doesn't say where it's taking place, just somewhere in Middle East. Um... I think that also makes sense because, like, it, I mean, in in the mother story, she does cross like a couple borders. Mm. Um, so it's just generally it's centered in the Middle East, um, and I think it is. I think it's definitely like a really plot-driven um, movie, and I think it's super super interesting. Um, the material can be um, a little graphic at times. Um, it deals with violence and uh, sexual assault. Um, but I think those are really important topics to discuss. Um, and the film is really, really interesting. Um, I find the aspect I like the most is more just showing... Um, again, I'm a really big sucker for like just showing a place that I can't really be or never really yeah. exist in. So it not only does it show like... So it shows that like slightly like couple decades old Middle Eastern 
um, kind of aesthetics and cities and it feels so lived in. I have no idea how they shot it, but like they just they just go off the grids in the map and it's like in these these dense streets and it's really really interesting. Um, I initially heard about it um, because I was a big fan of Radiohead and it's scored because <laughs> because it's got a couple of Radiohead songs in it. But I just so happened to watch it in a French class. I it's got radio song Radiohead songs in it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. That Which, actually that reminds me of something really funny just recently. I'm a big fan of the, uh, for some reason, it became an in-joke with me and my friend Dan in grade 8. The fourth president of the Maldives, uh, Mohammed Nasheed. Yeah. We just started thinking he was the dopest dude. We knew, like, nothing about him. We just saw, like, one image of him. And we're like, this is the guy. Turns out he's the fourth, he's the fourth president of the Maldives, Maldives, the first democratically elected president. And he has a, there's a documentary about him called The Island President. And apparently it plays like 13 Radiohead songs. That's crazy. And I need to watch this. <laughs> That's awesome. It's about like climate change. And they play like, a lot of reviews on Letterboxd are just like, this was really cool, especially the part that they play all of Radiohead's discography. That's, that's nuts. I think Radiohead's super funny. But like, I, the songs work for the, for the mood and atmosphere. It's a very moody film, but it's not, it's a moody film, but it's filmed very brightly. It's not. It's not a dark shot movie. There's there are a couple like just like dark scenes in general, like at nighttime and stuff like that. But it's, it's quite. It's piercingly bright in a way. So the movie is plot driven, um, as opposed to character. Yeah, like I mean, it is very character. It's about the characters. There's a lot of great characters in it, and you learn a lot about them. But it's really a masterclass in writing. That's why I love it so much because the plot is really easy to follow. And it tells a very complicated story um, that's really, it's really shocking. The twist is really crazy. There's um, a twist. There's, there, it's one of the twist ones. And it's a really interesting twist that's like, it's one of the best twists I've seen in a movie. Because of just how, like, it, it truly is, like, shocking. It's not like, oh, it's not like, it's not like it's waiting to be revealed. It's a twist that you don't see coming. Yeah. But it's so shocking, it really changes the plot that it's like, oh my god. That's what makes it so great. I just I just really enjoyed the movie as a whole because it's just super solid. It's really well made. Um, I'm I'm definitely in love with the aesthetics of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that that location is a really beautiful. And I think it's really interesting that they show such a such a beautiful production design and setting and atmosphere and locations but they just so like really vile stuff because it is, it is like it is a little war torn there's a lot of like it is very it's a very gross film but also very pretty i feel like the when you watch it for what it is and the language and how it's written it's so beautiful but what it talks about what it is about and what's the action that is shown is really gross and um I feel like that juxtaposition just makes for such an, an interesting movie. Um, it's not required viewing. I think I guess we're gonna go with the theme of required viewing um, because it's not for everybody. Not maybe not everyone will watch it. But if you're if you are interested in writing at all, if you're interested in settings and and um, well, well so, sometimes required viewings wouldn't be for everybody. Yeah, required viewings are for everybody. But if that at all interests you, especially like it is in French, and I think. Um, I think that's also like a. It's really cool to see um, filmmaking from different um, areas and stuff, different um, minds and 
different storytellers. Different parts of the world. Yeah. So Quebec. It shows two different, two very vastly different parts, you know, like uh, French Canada and the Middle East. So, but it does justice to both cultures, and it's it's really engaging and really interesting. I, I do highly recommend it. It's not. It's a very underrated pick, in uh, Denis' discography. This is Sorry, your favorite of filmography. His... Yeah. Um. I mean, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is really good too. I mean, I'm also a really big fan of Dune. I know, I know I'm kind of a minority in that. I really really love Dune. But I just think Asandi is is a really interesting and original movie, and I think if you, it's definitely like for the people who want to be challenged in a way of like story writing, and sh- they want to show how to make a complicated story um, with a great twist, it with with um, great characters, great plot. It's really grandiose in its presentation, but it's it's so simple and it's so easy to follow even in a second language like you can read subtitles um i mean I, I i know french so i was able to like actually understand some stuff they were saying um but even then i feel like the language of the film is not lost um so it's definitely a really interesting watch if you're if you're into that mm-hmm. all right ben number three number three lay it on me i've decided to go way back in time 1961 yeah everybody knows godzilla <laughs> Even if you haven't seen the 1954 film, yeah, everyone knows Godzilla. So, I'm going to... I think the 54 film was great. I think everyone should watch it. But I'm going with 1961's Mothra. Because Ooh. a lot of people haven't even heard of Mothra. It's a very Ben Parker pick. Yeah. Very few people that I know have seen Mothra. Like, like I don't know if I can name a single person yeah. um, that I could say for sure has seen it. But and a lot of people I know know who Mothra is because of other movies or you know modern stuff or they're just they are like they're like a C list like pop culture icon. I know Mothra from uh, Monsters vs Aliens. Yeah, Monsters vs Aliens <laughs> references Mothra. Like there's a lot of Mothra references in pop culture because it's a huge creature and a huge piece of film history, especially Japanese cinema. I would say Mothra is probably the second most recognizable kaiju to come out of Japan after Godzilla, unless you count Ultraman, which even then, I would probably say Mothra takes the cake. Which one is more influential? You know, that's up to you. Ultraman inspired a ton of stuff like Power Rangers, when I was television. But 1961's Mothra, directed by Ishiro Honda, the same director who did Godzilla, and the same director did a lot of the Showa era films. It's, I think it's great. Again, it's not perfect. There are things that are dated, without a doubt. Like, it's from 1961. And the whole kaiju picture is, I mean, it's suitmation, right? That's what it's called, the the, the, the suits. And Mothra isn't necessarily a suit, but it's a big puppet. Yeah. Mothra is way more colorful than Godzilla. The original Godzilla is a dark war commentary film and yeah. it's it's also like the genre is horror yeah i was gonna ask like what like because godzilla is more about like you know the nuclear like scare of mm-hmm. japan so what what does mothra what is mothra like themes about what does it try to say a lot of the themes in mothra regard um like environmental protection yeah and like taking things that don't belong to you that will mess up the ecosystem it's about balance. 
it is about balance in some ways or, or, or not throwing things out of balance. Yeah. Um, the plot is, it's a weird movie. It's, you really gotta like, just go with it. What makes it weird? The Shobajins. You cannot explain this to anybody, I don't think, without seeming like a crazy person. Like you, you think of Mothra, I know, you think of Mothra, it's like, it's it's a big egg, and then it, there's like, there are, I think the most dated aspect of the film is probably like the, the island natives, because you think of King Kong comes from Skull Island. Uh, Mothra comes from Infant Island, which was like this like nuclear, it, it was said, it was supposed to be nuclear, but it's actually like safe, I pr- probably, and it's, instead of like Skull Island has all these monsters on it. Uh, Infant Island has a lot of like dangerous fauna and plants, but the island natives are really dated because it's like it, they're I, I think they're pretty much all like Japanese actors who they're like in paint and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's like I, from my from my memory there's a like a, a sort of a, a like a a quote unquote like tribal dance scene <laughs> that goes on around because they're like they're praising Mothra's egg. It's yeah. supposed to be like a religious thing. And it goes on a little too long. It's not as bad as King Kong versus Godzilla. That has one of those, and that one is dreadful. Yeah. But there's a little charm to to some of the stuff in this one. But you think of Mothra as a big egg, and then a big larvae, and then it goes, it does some rampaging, it cocoons, and comes out as a big butterfly moth. But then they're the Shobajin, right? The Mothra are like that, like that's easy enough to get through your head, right? It's like the same thing as King Kong Godzilla, big animal. The Shobajin are two tiny twin women. They're technically like fairies. And they're like Mothra's like like Mothra's children. I remember you told me about this. They're like the spiritual children of Mothra. It's and it's funny. so weird. <laughs> and the in, like the inciting incident or the like the thing that sets the story in motion is when these people go on an expedition to Infant Island, take the two Shobajin because they can't they just pick them up and put them in a box and bring them back to the mainland and Mothra is like a defender of humanity and the earth but once you take her children then she goes on like this rampage this like vengeance right yeah and it's it, it is a lot more lighthearted than Godzilla it's in color first of all Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, the the first Mothra was in color, and which is great because Mothra is such a colorful creature. Is it like is it like colored in, or is it like like actual like colored photography? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's colored, like color photography. What color photography? I forget. I, sh- I'm, I'm, I mean, Wizard of Oz, right? Like it, it's it's been around. Yeah, it's been it, around. It wasn't as readily available, but because um, that was that was in color, then King Kong vs Godzilla was in color. But I think once I hit the 60s, the kaiju stuff started really being in color because it was very, like, poppy and very, like, fun, right? That's that's when it really started to... That's when the goals of, of kaiju films started to change. But Mothra still has an important message. There's a piano being played in the next room. We're just going to keep going. It's almost 12. <laughs> Mothra is... I, I think it is... It's really cool. I think it's one of the most important films of early kaiju cinema and it's fun i love the main characters it might have my favorite characters out of any of the showa films that i've seen so far because um i'm trying to remember the second guy 
But the first guy is like this clumsy reporter yeah. who makes his way into this mess just to get like photos for the newspaper or yeah, a story for the yeah, newspaper. Yeah, because that's what's like, even though the, 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 like, the awe of the kaijus, it's really like the human story around it. That's what makes it yeah, good. Yeah, you need humans as good as the monsters. Yeah. You cannot do one without the other. And he's not like a government personnel. He's not a scientist. He's just this reporter guy. And his buddy, who I think is like some sort of, I think he might be some sort of scientist or doctor. Like they, they do, uh, Ishiro Honda really likes to do the straight man and funny man technique in comedy. And he does the same thing in Godzilla, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. And it is awful there. I hate that movie. Yeah. It's really funny in the last 10 minutes, but you can just watch that on YouTube. Mothra, he does it really effectively. Yeah. And there are some really exciting, in my opinion, there's some really exciting uh, scenes while that take place, like on in a building while Mothra is going and destroying things. And there's an actual like villain character in the movie, and he's he he does a a, a good job, and I really like his uh, I re- I really like his what you know what they do with that character. Again, some of the effects are going to be dated. It's like a big moth, and it's like really like blowing things off i really like the miniature works i mean you can tell when it's a miniature but it does like it feels consistent in the world and there's some really cool effects and there's a, there are some really really cool practical effects in this especially on infant island though and it's just a, it's it's not again this one is not for everybody yeah there are going to be people who can't get through it it's too weird it doesn't always move at a really fast pace but it's just a such it's old an, it is old it's such an interesting idea though i think if this was done 20 years later by spielberg or anyone else really i think this is a spielberg-esque story mm-hmm. and if it was done 20 years later in like in 81 i think it would be way more hailed as like a classic film that people remember and have seen i have it on steelbook here the steelbook is not that expensive to buy online that's all i got it i really recommend it let me pull up a streaming because i think it is it is on something but it's 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 good. I give it an I give it an eight out of ten. It's uh, I I do I I love Mothra. They're my favorite uh, kaiju. Um, it says it's on Flix Fling here. <laughs> Whatever that is. Um, it used to be on the Criterion Channel. Definitely, it's worth a watch. I don't have a crazy amount to say about it. I haven't seen it in over a year, but it's one that I'm always re- recommending to people because not enough people know Mothra. Yeah. And it's such an awesome, such a dope character because she really stands out from the other kaijus because she's like actively a good character most of the time. And I, oh, I want, I'm making a Mothra movie when I'm older. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, I got a good idea. <laughs> and it's going to be dope. Sick. It needs to be revitalized. It deserves it. That's all I have to say. Bet. A good pick, man. Very, very bad pick. To follow up on that, all right, my third pick is uh, Dead Man. Um, made in 1995 by directed by Jim Jarmusch um, it is my favorite uh, western movie um, I first saw it in, uh, in my film program in high school and uh, I've I didn't initially like love it I definitely liked it on the first viewing but it just really it really grew on me and I, I love it to death um it's quite a slow-paced movie. Um, I would I'd argue that not a lot happens in it. <laughs> it's not... It's um, it's a very straightforward movie. It's very simple. Um, it's funny here and there. Uh, it's got some great acting. 
um, from Johnny, Johnny Depp from Johnny Depp, and also um, I believe his name. Well, let me look it up just to make sure. This is available on the Criterion Channel. Yeah, I was wondering. It says it's a uh, two hours and one minute runtime, so it's uh, it's not you know it's a it's a solid length and it can be it definitely could be slow. I haven't seen this yet. Um, I don't think it, we have seen either of our recommendations. Actually, we have. Gary Farmer. Um, Gary Farmer's performance is also great. Um, I think it's. I mean, just just some little notes about the film before I really get into it. It's just it has great representation of uh, indigenous people. I find. Um, it, does Johnny Depp play an indigenous character? No, okay. he's not. He plays. He just plays Johnny Depp like a white guy. Yeah. Um, um, I think the soundtrack is my favorite soundtrack of any. Um, movie or what have you, it it's um an improvisate improvisational score. Wow. While Neil Young, um, he he just got on his guitar and I feel like he I think he watched it like, two or three times and then he like kind of riffed through all of his screenings and then they just took it, and uh and then plays throughout the whole movie, um. And, it's a very aesthetically pleasing movie that's definitely where i get it from it's a very it's kind of a comfort movie but not in a way that makes you comfortable it's more in a way where it's like you're being lulled by it because the is shot of super eight so it's like black and white movie but it looks great um the aesthetics of like where they shot it look great um they filmed it all over america in different locations and um I remember um, watching an interview where the cinematographer specifically took note to not film the obvious location, to film kind of like, just to film the locations that bring the most emotion and like the locations that, you know, they would, they would go up to like a scenic place and turn the other way, you know what I mean? Like they would look at like kind of like what it really looked like. So it feels so lived in and so like, Authentic. it feels, yeah, it feels like you're roaming America. Um, and it like the definitely the aesthetics of just how the look of it. Um, I also really love the costumes. I love uh, the soundtrack is amazing. I love it. I love just I love the love the sound of it. I love how it, it just plays over everything. Um, I think they're originally gonna have um, voiceover over it, but I'm glad they didn't because it just lets lets you just kind of immerse yourself in the world. It's very immersive. Um, you really get lost in its world. And I'm talking basically mostly about the aesthetics because the story is really straightforward. It's about um, Johnny Depp, um, and he kind of he, he gets a job from Philadelphia, and he moves out to like this western town, and he's not given the job that he was promised, and then he just kind of wanders off to to really the depths of um, America. Uh, He's named William Blake after the poet William Blake, and William Blake mm. usually writes about like good and evil and like kind of like the pure and the ugly stuff like that. So it's really the movie is really about this kind of this innocence being turned to like kind of like a street knowledge where like Johnny Depp goes from being like this just like this kind of high class white dude to being like this like basically like this being indoctrinated into the the, the wild west. Um, and it's really unlike anything else because it's not very, it's not like, it's not about like tension and um, it's not about like big shootout scenes. Um, there are like a few, like obviously there are a few, but like it's more about just like immersing yourself in this, this you 
completely unique atmosphere and it looks amazing it sounds amazing and I I just love it I feel like on repeated viewings that's where you get the most out of it how many times have you seen it I've seen it so many times I've yeah. seen it a lot like it's such a great movie to put on when you're like tired and you just want to fall asleep is this one of the films that you've seen the most amount of times probably it's probably up there I mean what like it's probably this one maybe Blade Runner I've seen Blade Runner a lot <laughs> I love the original Blade Runner um, also, I mean, I've seen B movie. I mean, I guess if you count it like B as, movie? as a kid, uh, oh, as a kid, yeah, I used yeah, to yeah, watch yeah, yeah. B movie literally every day to the point where before it was even a meme, before it was like a thing, like I knew all the words to it. Yeah. As a kid, I just watched. It's probably the B movie, or like I, Shrek Two or something. I've like seen that. Mars Needs Moms like five times. That movie's great. That not, awesome. not because I wanted to, just because that's always what was on wherever I was. Yeah. My most watched movie is the Lego Movie. I think it's like sixteen times. That's the, nothing comes close. Yeah, um, those are great. Those are great picks, by the way. But I do love putting on Dead Man. Um, it's it's a really hard movie to recommend to people. Um, it's not for everybody. Um, if definitely if you're into westerns, I definitely highly recommend it because it is kind of like a post western. Westerns are just awesome. Westerns are so sick, and I love its take on a western. It's very slow paced, but it but it doesn't feel not engaging. Even though if you put it down to paper. It sounds like the most boring thing ever, but I don't know. For me, I just get so immersed into it that it just feels like it feels like you're sailing. Like, like it's, it's like, like it's like life. a boat ride. It's like it's a boat it's ride. Cowboy metaphor. It's cowboys. It's like literally just. It's like it's like the Wild West, and it's so, it's, it's so black cool. and white. I know it's black and white, which I, some people don't like the aesthetic. By the way, I love the aesthetic of black and white. I think it's great. I think it really shows the texture of the Western world, not the grime. It sh- it shows the grime without the color brown. Yes. Which is great. Um, and I don't know. I just like the guitar stabs. Like, like <laughs> Johnny Depp shoots someone and it says like a poetry line and then a guitar stab happens. <laughs> and it's so sick. It doesn't happen often. Like there's like actresses like that where it's like that's sick. But also it's like John Depp will like wander around the wilderness for like five minutes. And it's like the sickest guitar solo of all time. Over playing over it. It's just so, it's so fun. It's so cool. Um, I definitely recommend it to people who kind of want a laid back thing to watch. Maybe want to find like a new comfort movie. It's not. It's not a difficult watch. It's not a difficult watch at all. But it is a slow one. But if you're into slow paced stuff like I am, it's really great, and it really doesn't outstay its welcome. I feel like it. It definitely expresses a lot, and even like the themes of the movie. If you really want to take something from it, um, you definitely can find like I mean. The meaning is obviously, like, going from, like, innocence to, like, I guess, like, knowledge, in a way. Um, Also, I think, especially if you're trying to look at how to represent indigenous people, it's also a great watch for that. Um, Jim Chambers has talked about, you know, it's it's kind of impossible to please everyone. I mean, I I know, like, I'm a indigenous person myself, and um, it is kind of hard to pick a great representation, but I feel like... Definitely Dead Man um, is one of the films that best represents that culture. And it comes from such a place of admiration, but also not a place of like on like putting it on a pedestal. It's like it's just showing like what it's actually kind of about. And it's beautiful. And it's um, it's a really amazing looking movie. Um, and I and I highly recommend it. Very, very good. I, I got to watch it. I will. I do really want to watch it. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, but also in 2020, I should mention these next two films, I both gave 10 out of 10s. Ooh. Love them to bits. 
Uh, I don't know if you'll, you might hate my last one, but my second to last one here is Wolf Walkers. Oh, I've heard of that one. It's directed by Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. It's a 2D animated film Ooh. Uh, based from a Irish animation studio. And I'd be surprised if it was anything else, but it is an Apple TV original film. And so it is available on, yeah, it's all available on Apple TV+. Plus. It's got really great ratings. It's crit- critically acclaimed, one might say. Um, definitely like the best animated film that year. It's, it's awesome. And I think it really gave me a sense of childlike wonder that I was just longing for. I love animation films. They're great. It's really easy for people to be like, oh my god, this is such like a furry deviant art piece. Yeah. Because it follows two girls who, uh, one can and one like gains the ability to turn into wolves. That's sick. And it's 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 just cool. <laughs> Dude, being a wolf, turning into a wolf, that's like awesome. It feels you know what like, I mean? it feels like a fantasy storybook. Yeah. And the uh, villain is just an evil guy. He's totally evil for like no reason other than he hates all the wolves. And the way that they animate fire is so cool. Yeah. Some of the animation is genuinely gorgeous. And I understand if some people say, well, some of the animation is a little cookie cutter, especially for some, like, some of the background extras. But it never takes away any of it for me. It's always very visually interesting. And there is a fight scene where there's, like, a shot, like, particular aspect ratio change. It's so cool. It has, like, one of my favorite animated fight scenes, and it's not very long, and it's not very, like, crazy choreography, but it's just dramatic. It's dramatic, and there's actual tension that I felt. There are consequences, and it's a really, it's a great kids movie. Like, because yeah. cause it's, kids can enjoy this. Yeah, and it's adults nothing, can, right? It's, yeah, it's not so dark that kids can't. Yeah. But I love this movie. I saw like 2020, right? So just a couple years back. It was really like a year and a half ago when I saw it. And I just adored it. It's so lovely. It's really like, I, I just, I was so into the story. And even if parts that don't seem super exciting, just the animation is just, it, it doesn't carry. But it's just so full. Yeah. It looks great. It like takes place in I think it takes place in Ireland, and there's like these crazy forest expanses. Um, they do a version of the song uh, of Aurora's "Running with the Wolves." I love Aurora. Yeah, well, they do a version of her song that is a little like less techno and a little more, um, like foresty fa- fantasy Folky. feeling, yeah. folky, um, and they use it in a great running scene, like in the middle of the movie, and they're like just two wolves running through the forest. Does it remind you of Brave? Does it remind you of Brave at all? Um, I haven't seen Brave since it came out. Really? I haven't seen Brave since I was like 11. I might have seen it once on TV after that. Um, there are, yeah, there are some similarities to Brave. Yeah. Does I, it have that? Oh, yeah, okay, go on. Go ahead. Or does it have like that, that Disney wonder to it? Like it has that sense of wonder, do you think? Like I that, think more so than most Disney movies. Really? It's like, it's like really well done. It's like very, because like, the way you're describing it, it's very, it's very childlike, but it feels like, it feels like, like a classic animation again. You know what I mean? It really does feel like a classic animated movie. Uh, one of the actors is uh, Sean Bean. 
really? Yeah, he plays awesome. he plays the father of the uh, of the lead girl, and he's really good. There there are some really good voice performances. The two girls are played by like actresses that are about their age, and they do. Oh, that's yeah, really interesting. Actually. They do a really really good job, and there's a lot of emotion in those performances. It's really great. It hits on its emotional beats. The the lore of it, the the like the 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 tales that it tells, I just really dig them. I, awesome. I, I just get invested. It's a movie it's a movie I really wanted to like and it just took me in. I was just like I was just in. Yeah. It, it's not a movie like Yeah, you know, I totally get if someone gives like an eight or a seven or whatever. But for me, like, and I don't give a lot of movies tens easily anymore. At least, it, you know, you really gotta connect with me. And it was just everything that I wanted to see out of a movie, like, like yeah, it. yeah, Be- beautifully animated. I mean, you can see the like the little image right here. It looks great. Like it, it def it look it definitely looks like classic, but in a way that's yes. like reimagined. The way that they animate the way that they animate like this pack of wolves yeah. is so awesome. They're they're. The animation adds to a lot of the emotion. Yeah. And a lot of the, like, connectivity between these characters. I do love animation, yeah. And it's so creative in a lot of ways. And it's not a story that we haven't seen before. But it, it does that type of story, like, the best. Um, not, not, of, not out of any movie. Mm. But I think of, I don't know, for some reason it reminds me of Klaus, the Netflix I've Christmas movie. That. yeah. And it's definitely better than Klaus. Yeah. Let's, let's keep that. Let's keep it I real. Think Klaus is also really good, too. Klaus is really solid. Uh, but Wolf Walkers is just on another level. I love it. I really want to rewatch it. It's just a it's just a nice movie. That's good. I don't. There isn't a crazy amount to pick apart. S- sound is great. S- the digital cinematography, if that's... Is that what you would call it? The cinematography of an animated film, digital cinematography. Well, no, it's not the. It's just it's still like the composition. The composition. Yeah. That you know there is like for animation they do have directors of photography to like yeah. guide and see what, like what makes it. It's work. like perfect. Yeah, that's it's, it's it looks flawless. That's great. That's great to hear because like animation is is often underrated by like critically like 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 critical acclamation is that what the word is I don't know but like it just I feel like in general animation films are really missed out on they're just sort like, of like given the like yeah shoot. like ch- ch- child movie don't watch it but like I love I, I adore animation and it's I, I mean I'm obviously going to check out everything else but that's that's really pleasant to hear that, that animation's still kicking it yeah, and it's sort of because a lot of the animation is so detailed yeah. in this 2D form um, the, the actual studio is uh, Cartoon Saloon they did Song of the Sea, The Breadwinner, uh, The Secret of the The Secret of Kells, so they've done some stuff and like pretty much like a couple of those were nominated for Best Animated Film. This one was not. Really? Um, no, it was nominated for a Golden Globe. It did not win. Uh, however, people say that this is like their best work, and they Stubbed. use a lot of tra- like not traditional. They use a lot of like primitive art techniques. Yeah. Like the fire uses a lot of triangles. When the characters like fall and like they're holding each other and they sort of spin around and tumble into leaves, the the shape of their bodies makes like a perfect circle. Yeah, it's like it's very it's very like cartoonish, but like in a whimsical way. Yeah, it's super whimsical. And it's great. It's just it's it's just great. Watch it. People got it's on Apple TV Plus. So if you don't have access to that, makes sense. But if you, I mean, I think you can rent it places. Uh, it's just totally, it's worth your time. Yeah. 
Okay, that's awesome. Give us another recommendation there, Tristan. Right. This is my number four pick. Uh, some great recommendations so far. But my my my, my uh, fourth one is like a double film. It's two films, but like they, they kind of go together. Um, it's the Raid one and two. Technically, oh. the Raid technically the Raid one's called the Raid Redemption, and then the Raid two. Um, I, I have yet to see these. From, I want to. From tw- uh, Raid one came out in twenty eleven. Raid two came out twenty fourteen. They're directed by Gareth. Evans, it's an Indonesian film, and they are quite simply the greatest action movies of all time. Um, the second one is definitely better, um, but you have to watch the first one because the second one takes place a day after the events of the first one. And I think the first one's also really great. Um, they're both so great. Like, like it's really hard to get into like what makes them work um also fun tidbit this is also samuel l jackson's favorite movies of all time really yeah that's these, really? are, these are his favorite movies wow um let's break down the first one so the first one very simple plot um riot team invades a drug dealers like kind of hotel kind of thing and then they get kind of stuck in it and they gotta work the way out um second one is so much more complicated it's really hard to get into i don't even want to get into the plot because it not only is a spoiler kind of the first one, but it is really dense. It's really well told. Sometimes it can be hard to follow, but if you like, if you like, pay close attention. It is. It, you can follow along. It's really great. They're both fairly long movies. Um, before I get into pauses, the only complaints I'd make is the second one has is yeah, it's a little bit complicated. And sometimes hard to follow. Follow, and the ending action scene of the first one outstays its welcome a tad bit. Hmm. However, they are by far the greatest action movies of all time. The actors that play, um, especially, I forget the main dude, the, the protagonist of both films, but he is only an actor, but he's also the choreographer. And the f- the physical combat fight scenes are, like, by far the best, like, the most well shot, the best choreography for fight scenes I've ever seen in my whole life. And... The first film, especially, is so intense. It is an intense watch. Um, I won't go into it, but the machete scene was one of the craziest things. I was on the edge of my seat. I was, like, standing up watching it. I was screaming. Like, it's just... It's so crazy. And all... Like, most of the effects they did were, like, practical. Um, They have, like... They did, like, crazy shit to get the shots they have. They had to have, like... They had to have, like, four camera operators for one scene and they would pass between each other so that way they can smoothly film it they have each other on like cranes so they can move like the camera operator around it's like it's so densely shot but it really pays off because my god is it not only is it like the action is just cool it's just cool as hell it's so cool but also it's just like it's so intense and so engaging and the first one has a very simple plot like it's very easy to follow along but it's not why you love it. Like the, it's very simply shot. I mean, I, in terms of composition, it's very simply shot. Obviously, the behind the scenes are insane. If you ever watch the movies, watch the behind the scenes. It is nuts. But the first one is amazing. It is. It is really intense. It's the choreography. I mean, I can't. I can't like oversee choreography. Choreography. Cho- choreography. Choreography. Yes. Choreography. I don't know. I don't. I'm pretty sure it's choreography. Chore. Was it the choreography? The choreography? choreography is so sick, bro. They like throw each other around, and like and, like the kicking is so fast. It's so like it's not. It doesn't rely on shaky cam. The action is all there. You just got to see it. 
the reason why I'm also picking both of them to talk about is because like there's not really it's like a, a part one about. and two sort of huh is it like a part one and two would you say it's a it's it's like one and two like a lot of people never talk about one without talking about the other really yeah but, I mean also because the second one's better but like you have to watch the first one and the first one's great like like definitely some of the most intense and well made action sequences like ever and I, I especially recommend watching them behind the scenes and um, it's just really a testament to how unique um, or just like not unique but how well crafted and how much care and time got put into it and how much planning went into it that makes it so great um, character deaths mean a lot it's so intense and it's like gr- it's, it's thrilling it's awesome the second one the second one is just balls to the wall because the first one is more about shooting like it's more about gunplay and also like fighting and combat but the second one just goes like nuts with it like what's funny is that there's is, it, re- is the second one the one with the character named Hammer Girl yes I will get to that but actually no I'll just talk about it. yes there are two there are two twins one of them has a baseball bat and one of them has a hammer and those are the coolest fucking action scenes ever dude the dude he, he, he throws up a baseball bat your baseball and he like hits it and he like hits the guy in the jaw and it's so brutal and so well shot it's awesome you just feel every punch it's so it's amazing but what's funny is that there's only one car chase scene and it's only like two minutes it maybe be three or like five but it is one of the most intricately shot things i've ever seen and it is the best car chase scene of any movie ever wow it's not even a car chase scene it's like they're doing kung fu with cars it's so well shot and it looks crazy. It's all like they would have like crazy one takes where they go like from up top of the car through the middle of the car while like guys like on the other car and they're all like jumping between cars and it's so well like made and, you, and it's like you're not distracted. It's so clear, but it's just so awesome. The second one it takes place in so many different locations that are all like amazing. They all look amazing. In combat, the choreography the choreography got better in some aspects. Um, definitely the character world building is better if, again, it's a little complicated, but again, um, I think on the first watch, I, I just got confused with some parts, but you definitely follow along. There's so many creative gimmicks. Um, the villains are so much more hateable and it's so like, it's so gratifying. It's long, but it's so good. And I will say this, the ending scene, you see the first one had kind of like a little bit of letdown in the ending scene, but the, the second one, the, the end fight scene of the second one is the greatest action sequence of all time. By far. Wow. It is, like, I can remember, the thing, it's like a five minute fight scene. It feels like one minute. I, I Actually, I think it's like ten minutes or something like that. But it feels so fast, and I can remember, like, every single beat of it. They beat the shit out of each other. Like, it is so crazy, and so nuts, it's off, it's boss the wall, it's crazy. If you love anything action, this is required viewing. This is a required viewing, for sure. Yeah, I, cr- I want to. It is crazy. It's some of the most crazy movies ever. I highly recommend it watching in groups. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to my friend Joseph for recommending recommending me this movie and I watched it with him and some people. Um, it's great to watch with friends. It's great to watch on your own. Definitely watch it when you can make noise because you will be like, oh, oh, you'll be like making like grunt noises and, and shit because it's so like, it's so intense and awesome. And uh, yeah, I think, I, I hopefully I sold enough people just to say that the action, action sequences are great. It's intense. It's 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 well made. It's well shot. If you're interested in action films at all, making them or just like just like watching them, 
this is required viewing. And I just, in general, if you just want like just a cool movie that's kind of a blockbuster, but also takes itself really seriously. And if you really want to see the what can be pushed with the boundaries of action films, if they're done really well, it's not like just another like basic shot movie. Like they planned it so much. Um, it's really great. And I highly recommend the, the Raid 1 and 2. I really want to watch them so they're badly. Because so I'm, I'm a big action fan. Would you say they're a difficult watch at all? Um... No, they are long though. Um, I don't recommend watching one after the other in the same sitting, because um, you kind of you might get burnt out on it. Mm. Um, but they are they are great. They're not a difficult watch. Um, it it can be a little gory. Um, definitely the second one. I wouldn't say the first one is as gory. Um, I actually the first one has some like has some stuff, but it's it's not. I mean, if you're going to action film, you expect blood and violence, and it is a violent ass movie. But yeah. it's great. Um. I have my, for my last recommendation. Final pick. Yes. Uh, technically, it says more people on Letterboxd have seen it than The Matrix Revolutions. So I guess it's the most popular pick out of my recommendations. Really? And I don't know if you've seen it or not. I think we've talked about it. But I, I give it 10 out of 10. I had to recommend it. I know it's on Disney+. Plus, um, so let me double check to see if it's it on is, anything else. What do you think it is? Is They Live? No. No, really? It's not They Live. I decided not to recommend They Live because I've talked about it on the show before. Yeah. Yeah, it's only on Disney+. Plus. It's uh, The Royal Tenenbaums. Really? Oh. From 2001, yeah. directed by Wes Anderson. Okay. We'll go on. So you're speaking have truth. You, have you seen it? I've not seen it. It's... I, uh, <laughs> I watched... Okay, when I watched this movie, my first Wes Anderson was Out of Dogs. Yeah. Then I watched Fantastic Mr. Fox, French Dispatch, Grand Budapest, and all of these films are very stylized. Yeah. He clearly, he's, uh, our, one of our professors put it interestingly the other day when he said he's always had a, he, he has, in essence, he's developed his style, but he's always had this voice. Yeah. And the Royal Tenenbaums, uh, being from 2001, really, before he developed this style, his style is there. You can see it. You can see where it's been growing. And I haven't seen any of his earlier stuff. And I haven't seen any of his other stuff since this. But it's not as over the top. I love his over the top stuff. Because it's unlike anything else. And it's really original and always very creative. And looks beautiful. But the Royal Tenenbaums, I think, the way the, the reason that his lack of uh, style that we know today, the reason it works so well, is because it's a very very human story yeah i think it's a, it's about this family it follows gene hackman who plays this uh, a, fa- a father um who's been divorced from the mom and it follows three siblings one played by ben stiller one played by gwyneth paltrow and one played by luke wilson they're all adopted siblings and really i think at its core the themes of the movie i i think it's about dying either characters um are Either characters are dying, are lying about dying, want to die, actually die, have had somebody in their life die, like very recently, and it, like it affects them, and all of these different aspects really come together to to tell a a really human movie. And you know, it's one of those movies where I want to be like, yeah, it's a nice movie, like I would put Juno or Bill and Ted, yeah. but a lot of it isn't. There's some scenes that are pretty intense and deal with really heavy 
heavy subject matter, but it's done in a way that is so soft. I think even better word is tender. Charming, could you say? I, I think tender is the right word. There is, there's a lot of charm to the movie. Yeah. But characters like like Owen Wilson plays this guy who's like a friend of the family and he's always wanted to be a part of the family and he's not like this incredible character but he really acts as this stepping stone for all the other characters. Gwyneth Paltrow does a really good job. She does. She's funny. I know. Like I know like as an actress like Goop is a disaster and, like <laughs> there's a lot going on with that but this role is like I I do not see her as this actress in this role. Yeah, like it, she's she totally the character. Luke Wilson, I adore in this movie. Luke Wilson does such a good job. Ben Stiller, he's really good, and he has one of my favorite line deliveries ever. Gene Hackman does a really solid job. There's a lot going on in the movie, and it's yeah. it's pretty, it's not so long, but it's slow-paced, and yeah. it takes its time. It has a great licensed soundtrack. It's like this kind of folky little, like, nice like Wes Anderson music yeah, he's typically known for that stuff yeah. and he is but it's used very effectively and I think it, I'm pretty sure it takes place in New York but it feels so like it's like this fall it feels like this small autumn town somehow yeah and it's totally like it, it, I think a lot of it is like you, you really get the sense that these characters are trying characters fail and they try again and they they fail again and it, you know, nobody's a really good person. It, somehow, it, it's not that every scene is like, so like knock your socks off amazing, but the emotional highs are so high yeah. that those scenes really, like you can see where they were going. And there, it has just some of my favorite scenes ever. Some of my favorite use of songs. The editing is really, really good. There's some really funny edits and there's one scene that is particularly impactful uh, that uses really quick cuts in the form of flashbacks in a way that is super effective and it really like it, it there is one like plot line of the film where I would understand if a lot of people couldn't get behind them. like I wouldn't do that if I were this person it's a bit it's a bit like a little weird too far maybe but the way that they portrayed in the film like it just got me like, I thought that too it just got me on board yeah and it really has to do with the way it's edited and like the the performances surrounding it there's just it's a, it's about a family and there's yeah. a lot of different characters to keep track of uh well there's not that many but like each character has something different going on yeah, yeah, yeah. and they interweave and they bring in like Bill Murray who plays like Gwyneth Paltrow's husband and he gets involved and there's a lot going on and it does everything perfectly yeah it's superhuman and i think Wes Anderson's style I think it does it in the, his later films too. But I think in this one, I think this one, it's not my favorite Wes Anderson. I think it probably still is Isle of Dogs after we watch it. Yeah. But this movie is, uses his style. Like you can make a slice of life film. Yeah. And it feels very real. But he uses this elevated style to make it feel the most human. Even if it is slightly surreal. Yeah. It's, I I really want to watch it again. Yeah, it's right. I've seen it once. It's a ten out of ten. I I just, it's so good. Yeah, maybe I'll give it a watch then. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like a character study. You know what I mean? It is, and, and it's a it handles a lot of characters. Yeah, which 
How long is it? Is it very long? Um, I'll look it up. It's I my guess is that it's about two hours. It feels like a two hour movie. Yeah, but like it's a lot to cram in that amount of time. Which, I mean, I mean, I mean, Wes Anderson is very good at like it's ex- an it's an hour and fifty minutes. Really? Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot to cram in. Yeah, because Wes Anderson is really great at like at least fleshing out characters to the point where it's like to just to just the right point to where they can cram in all the information together. Yeah, and Ben Stiller plays like. Yeah, but Wes Anderson is very good with character work. And Ben Stiller plays like this. You know, maybe he was like... He wasn't my favorite of the performances, per se. Yeah. But he... And I I think... Well, he wasn't my favorite of the performances. But he very easily... Like, anything that I had, like, a gripe with, I very quickly forgave. Especially the ending. Like, he plays his character in denial. Like, it, it explains right off the bat, like, his wife has died in a yeah. crash. And he has two kids. And they all wear matching tracksuits. And he does, like, safety, like, uh, exercises with them all the time. And he's really overprotective. He's really in denial. He's really upset all the time. And it can be, like, maybe a little overbearing. But it, like, totally... Like, the more you, the more time you spend with this character, and once he does open up, you totally get it. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you think, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, like, a little too much. Like, nobody would be like this. And he really... These are multidimensional characters. Yeah. And it's it's such a... It's such a. Uh, I don't. I don't know if like this is required viewing, but I think a lot of people need this movie. Yeah, it's and one of those ones. It, it's so. It really. It. I. I don't think it like helps me out of the time. I. You know, watching it now, I probably feel really. Like I. I think it is uplifting. I think the fact that it is sort of surrounds so many elements regarding death, even if it doesn't flat out say it or show it it really makes me appreciate life for what it is and human connections awesome yeah that's well said well said i think after this movie i just all i wanted to do was just listen to other people's stories yeah listen to other people talk about their lives because it's so delicate yeah yeah okay it's one of those ones awesome really really well said the uh, last one. The very last one. Last one. It's I don't my, know what this is. I don't it's think. It's my last pick. Unless you've mentioned it already. Nah. Um, my last pick is The Handmaiden. Uh, made in 2016 by Park Chan-wook. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, he made Old Boy. He, mm-hmm. uh, he also made Old Boy. I've heard of this. I've watched this. I, um, I don't know how long ago. It was pretty recently. I watched the... Actually, I watched the extended cut, um, which was great. Was Which was also great. I, I imagine the... It was also like wasn't didn't feel too long, uh, but this is one of my fa- this is one of my favorite movies um, ever. It is amazing, and um, I really want to commend Park for picking such. For a second, I thought you were saying Ben Parker. <laughs> I really like to yeah, I really like to commend Park for pitching such a bold script. Um, I mean, old boy. I don't want to talk about old boy, but that's a very bold script. But Handmaiden, um, it was written by a woman, and it, it's a lesbian romance thriller <laughs> it's kind of psychological it's kind of it's kind of trippy but it's it is so good um and i think parks um the way he directs actors and his vision is really great um and it really complements the script i mean the writing is amazing um definitely it's very i love the characters i love the plot and the drama of it is so thrilling and intense and 
you it's like it's so good at roping you in and then cutting you off of the crescendo but then roping you back in again you're so invested in every character's kind of independent story because they all have different goals um the main plot um is basically the there's four main characters there's it takes place in korea um a handmaiden um is gonna live with you know this i think i think she's royalty but this very well-off woman um and the woman is controlled by her very um well i guess very controlling and um her, her her like this father figure and the handmaiden um i believe it's her uncle or someone just another kind of father figure type that um wants the the, the I, i'm really bad with the names of the characters but the wants the handmaiden to go to go there so that way um she can kind of spy on the the the, the princess i'm sure we call it princess i'm pretty sure that's not accurate but as mm-hmm. in the essence so that way he can woo her in some regard um so it's these four conflicting people and there's also other side characters but it's mainly these four people's stories and uh how they try to get what they want and what's amazing about it is that like it's like it the twists like there is twists to it but it's it really throws you through a loop and you want so many characters to succeed and then their goals change and then you're like oh my god now i want this character to succeed and then their goals change and it just it's so twisty and it's amazing it is it is is a great drama um i feel like the handmaiden is required viewing uh, because it is just such it's such a movie you know what i mean what genre are we it's it's it, it plays a lot i'd say definitely it's a drama um because yeah. Again, it's about the characters, how they interact, and the plot moving forward. Um, but it's also very thrilling. It's um, it can be kind of trippy at times. It's um, it's a romance also. Um, but again, as genre kind of changes, as the characters change throughout the movie. Um, the extended version is twenty minutes longer than the regular one. I haven't seen the regular one yet, but the extended version, even though it. It definitely you can definitely tell it's an aversion because some scenes are extended. You're still just so engaged into it. It's a really engaging story. It's well told and well presented. Um, and people should know it's it's streaming on Hoopla. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's that's our that's your streaming service for the handmade. But it is, I cannot recommend it like enough. Um, I can't really talk about it much about the plot, but it is the production design is amazing. It's like a Victorian era Japanese combined architecture in Korea so it's like it's so grand and beautiful all the costumes are amazing I've only seen images but it looks, it looks really great it's amazing also it's, it's well shot it's like it's definitely well shot the editing is great the pacing's great the characters are great it's all just it's great it, everything together comes everything like comes together to just make this this piece and it's and I love it. It's like it is a drama, and it, and it like. But after watching it, after watching, it, I just felt so happy. You know what I mean? Like after watching, it, you're like, wow, what a great movie. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so it didn't really. It's definitely like, they have themes. It has like a message, but I don't think it really left you with questions. It left you with, it left you with a conclusion. You know what I mean? 
And sometimes you need movies like that, and it's just such a lovely, lovely movie. At the very end, I, you feel so satisfied. You're like, wow. They tied everything together, and it's amazing, and I love it. And I think it, it is, it is like, a really interesting, um, all the characters' relationships with each other and how, like, things they keep from each other, things they say, um, the side characters' like views of them. It is so interesting and so emotionally intense, and it's great. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. I feel like, um, I so mean, is this a ten out of ten? It's definitely. I think. I think every movie I, I've I've recommended are all perfect. Ten out of ten. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's. I I'd say. Uh, I feel like it is for everyone. Um, there do be warned though. There are graphic sex scenes, so don't watch it with your parents. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I I'll watch a lot of movies. I watch the worst movies with my mom. <laughs> but I also feel like, you know, I will talk about the sex scenes because in most movies that have sex scenes in general, let alone, like, a lesbian sex scene, um, it's really, like, grating and, like, kind of gross. Like, you definitely tell it's, like, for a certain, like, viewpoint. And the sex scenes are awesome. Like, <laughs> not, like, in an erotic sense, but, like, you know how action scenes in movies are supposed to tell stories about how the characters' relationships? That's how the sex scenes work in this movie. Yeah, there's a, sort of a scene like that in Parasite. Yeah, and like Parasite. Yeah, I, you know what? I do compare Handmaiden to Parasite a lot because it is kind of Korean drama. I mean, I know uh, let Parasite's me, Let very me look it up because I know they are... Um, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to see if they're the same production company. That's I mean, all. they are both Korean, but like that doesn't, that doesn't matter. I feel like they're both like... They're family-centered dramas, and they both have interesting twists and turns and they both express and they both have our master classes of just overall filmmaking um i feel like parasite's a bit more thrilling a bit more like um horrifying but um the handmaiden is just is just impeccable one of uh, the production companies uh there it was uh, parasite did, was barunsa and ena and cj entertainment and cj entertainment did do old boy and handmaiden there you go yeah um handmaiden's great and i feel like even though sex scenes are like they're, they're they're very like intense like it is it, it is like holy shit that like it, it's pretty nuts but like it definitely adds to the story i feel like a lot of times in movies they add like especially in romances they add like weird erotic stuff to like please the fans or to like just to have it in there yeah but i feel like the movie is genuinely worse without them because it's it definitely it shows a lot. I feel like everything in the movie in, was in the Handmaiden. Yeah, yeah. Everything in the movie was shown explicitly for a reason. Everything, every scene, like has context that you learn later, and like everything is just like you memorize the whole thing front to back because it's just so engaging and great. And yeah, it's it's perfect writing. It's perfect writing. And I think of um, I th- I think what J- what James Gunn said. Yeah. Because there's like one in in like one of the first episodes of Peacemaker. There's a really like. It's like seven seconds of a sex scene. Yeah. That just, it like hard cuts to it. And somebody, like, he was answering questions and a fan said like, like, hey, I'm okay with the violence, but like, is the sex stuff really necessary? It, it can, like, I feel like it's a little uncomfortable. And the James Gunn, who's, you know, writer and director, he made a really inter- interesting point. He said, he's like, sex scenes can be used for really um, purposeful storytelling when used correctly, I think it's interesting that this is this is still his words. I think it's interesting that people are less comfortable with sex 
than we are with like um, uh, gratuitous violence. Yeah. Maybe that's a problem we need to address. That's true. In ourselves. And I think the movie, uh, it, it definitely, it's, it's definitely like, it's definitely like a historical piece. Like it's definitely set in that time and that's what makes it beautiful. But it's definitely, it's such a beautiful story. And um, I think a lot of my movies that I've recommended are, I mean, besides like Dead Man are like very um, plot driven and stuff like that. So again, another movie for the writers out there or the people that want to just like sit down and just like amazing story. It's also extremely rewatchable. I mean, I've only watched it once, but that was enough to be like, oh my God, amazing movie. Yeah. Like I I could, I definitely want to go back to it because um, I just don't want to get tired of it because it is just, it was just such an amazing experience that I, I just loved it. How and many times have you seen it? Only once. Mm. That's the extended version too. Yeah. And uh, I want to watch the original one because I feel like that might be paced a little better. I do think the extended one... And the one, original is like two hour, two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's it's long. And it does not overstay its welcome at all. It definitely does a lot. It, it's definitely... I guess you could say it's expository, but like in a really good way. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it makes everything clear so that way it can... It can like switch your expectations and then make that clear it's very clear it's very easy to watch it's so fun and also kind of it's also at times disturbing at times like it, it really tugs at your heartstrings that so you, you experience like such a range of emotions when you watch it and i feel like for that it's commendable and any reason why you saved this recommendation for last i say this recommendation for last because i feel like um uh, more just I had more to talk about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think all my films, I mean, besides the Jim Jarmusch one, they're all from different, like, continents and different languages, and, uh, I feel like you could definitely, each one has its different aesthetics and, um, its different themes and, and messages, and I feel like, um, it's really important to watch movies that are from different places, and I just think that The Handmaiden is such an instant classic, and is so, and anyone that watches it, um, if you're into movies at all, or if you just want to have it, it's it's a very easy movie to watch. I feel like out of all the movies that I've listed, I mean, it's, given, it's, it's the most crowd pleasing. It's definitely a crowd. I mean, obviously, if you're in the action crowd, or maybe if you want like something laid back. I mean, there's there's like Dead Man and the action crowd again, like Raid. But I feel like just a general package, the whole package of a film, um, Handmaiden has it all, yeah. and um, I cannot recommend it anymore. I think it's perfect, and. Um, I think it'll definitely throw the people for a loop and it's just it's just such a nice story and I'm just I'm so glad like I was so glad to watch it and just know that they're after watching it it's perfectly wrapped it's like a little bow tie it's like oh my god you know what I mean yeah it's definitely like it feels like a storybook and it's presentation is amazing and yeah I mean I can I can go on and on but I feel like that's all I really need to say I don't think anybody should I don't think anybody should say that they want to travel the world and and still be so close-minded that they don't want to watch international or foreign cinema. Yeah. Because it, really it's one of the same. That does it for our recommendations. Trust we're, in, we're done. Let, yeah, let me, let me say, uh, I've sort of fallen out of love with the art of podcasting a little bit. Really? As I continue to experiment with the show. But I think this episode really brought me back into it. No, you're, well, you're welcome, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, because this was purposeful conversation yeah about what two people were passionate about yeah I'm, I, I mean I, I'm I definitely regained my passion for film the more and more I've been making it and mm-hmm. uh, I, I've been watching a lot of great movies and I, and I hope um, 
Um, if I don't, if you don't mind the plug. Um, no, no, I'm I'm gonna give you a. You can follow me on Instagram. Yep. My full name at Tressa Purcell, um, T R E S T E N P R C E L L, and um, I hope um, anyone who who uh, has watched the movie and they want to talk about it with me, I, I'm I'm all ears, and I hope uh, I hope I, I provided diverse enough recommendations. I mean, between me and Ben, there's definitely a lot there mm-hmm. for people. I feel like there's at least one thing for anyone who would listen, and I hope um, you give one of them a try. Um, a lot of, a lot of easy stuff to watch, a lot of hard stuff to watch, but I feel like in the end, you know, it's really important to know these stories. I think we've given a great mix a great of mix. movies yeah, here. Great. Uh, and I'm really excited to check out your films. Uh, I'm check out yours. There's some great stuff. I mean, I, definitely some stuff I've definitely heard you gush about before. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I've always been really down to watch them. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think just sharing, I think this is great. I mean, me and Ben had a, had a, we've been talking all day yeah so the fact that we aren't like dead right now (laughs) i'm so tired i know it's fucking 12 30 i think i think i was just i think i just got invested in the conversation yeah like it's like revitalized my love for conversation because i think conversation is such an interesting art form that's why i do this show to an extent i love movie i love movies dude i know i know and uh yeah I'm i'm glad to share my passion i mean there's i wanted to recommend movies that Maybe you wouldn't always come across of just naturally, but uh, I mean, eventually you possibly can, like I have. But I feel like these movies are, are great, great watches, and uh, yeah, it was a pleasure being on and just like just, just um, just kind of sharing, um, mm-hmm. sharing what we love, and uh, it's awesome. Yeah, I think that's what it should be about. That's the show, everybody. Thank you for listening to episode thirty-two of the Benaki Cast. Is it thirty-three? 33, 33, thank you, thank you. Sorry, we did a double feature last week because I missed a week, so I dropped two episodes. Uh, Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at underscore Benaka underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Parker Lives. I have really come around on Twitter. I've just started posting photos with no context, and it's It's a lot of fun. Uh, You can follow me on Letterboxd at Benaka. You can listen to the Benaka cast on the Benaka YouTube channel. That's where we uh, upload these uh, in the video form, there's no visual, but it's the you know the YouTube video link. Uh, I also put uh, up a little, I guess you could call it a short film, a little uh, homage to Cowboy Duels, uh, a little short on there. You can also follow, or you can also stream the Banaki Cast on Instagram, not Instagram. Wow, I've really messed up the plugs this time. I've I've really gotten into the role of things, and I have really miffed it. You suck, man. <laughs> Uh, you can listen to the Binaki Cast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor, in addition to what I already mentioned for YouTube. You can follow the Binaki Cast on Instagram. Please give us feedback if you think that it's necessary. Instagram is the best place to do that right now, as I don't have an email set up for the show in particular. However, please leave us a rating on Spotify and Apple. We finally have 11 five-star ratings on Yo, Spotify. So we got that perfect rating so off, far. Man. Uh, really, really great stuff. Okay. That's sick. We also, interestingly enough, in the analytics, we have forty nine percent male and forty eight percent female. Oh, look at those! Look at those, those numbers. Good balance. You the, know what I mean? Literally the closest it has ever been, and maybe ever will be. That's awesome. Um, which is really interesting to to me. Uh, so thank you very much for. Oh God, I gotta plug a couple of studs. I have another youtube channel and podcast which you can listen to on all the same streaming services i've already mentioned and we have video reviews of sets that go up there every little bit lego bro yep it's it's a lego based show 
I, I do that with my co-host Ryan Ben. So please check that out if you are interested. That is a couple of studs. There's also yeah. an Instagram page. Yada, yada, yada. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I had a great time. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, Ben. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. One yeah. of the best guests to date. I don't mind saying. I don't, I don't, mind, giving, I don't mind giving my two cents if I, if I do say so Thank myself. You, man. I really appreciate it, dude. You know, yeah, there was like there were very few jokes this episode. I know it's just kind of us like talking. I'm okay with it. It felt professional. We'll, <laughs> we'll do. <coughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, like it was just kind of fun. Uh, thank you for having me on. And uh, absolutely, how do we sign off? How do you sign off these things? Well, I was, you said thank you for having me on. I was gonna say thank you to everyone at home listening. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> and this has been the Benakiast. I've been your host, and as always. Please stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> Bye.